The Sports Gambling Podcast Network is sponsored by MyBookie.ag. Log into MyBookie now and get yourself a 50% deposit bonus up to $3,000 simply by using the promo code SGP50. With MyBookie.ag, it couldn't be more simple. You play, you win, you get paid. You are listening to the EPL show, the most profitable show here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. You can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter at the SGP Network. You can also win $1,000 by following the at Gambling Podcast Twitter account. Because the Sports Gambling Podcast is trying to give away $1,000 in their quest for 10,000 Twitter followers. If at Gambling Podcast gets to 10,000 followers before the 18th of March, they will give away $1,000 to one random follower. All you need to do to enter is include the hashtag SGP10K. That's hashtag SGP and then 10K, the number 10K. So SGP, the number 10 and then K. And at Gambling Podcast in the same tweet. So you've got to put the hashtag SGP10K and at Gambling Podcast in the same tweet. You have unlimited entries. So that's at hashtag SGP10K and at Gambling Podcast. Now, the Sports Gambling Podcast Twitter is different to the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. The Sports Gambling Podcast Network Twitter is at the SGP Network. But if you want to be involved in this competition, it's at Gambling Podcast. There's no sports in that. It's just at Gambling Podcast and hashtag SGP, the number 10 and then K. So make sure you get involved with that because it's a free chance to win $1,000 from the guys at the Sports Gambling Podcast. So... Let's move on with the EPL show and let's have a little recap regarding what we did last week. Now, I'm going to start talking about the lot record again right off the bat. At the start of this season, we were meant to do 38 weeks of this. So that would have been 38 locks. And I honestly would have been quite happy with a record of 24 and 14 overall. I don't think anybody could have turned around and said um, being 10 locks above 500 would have been a bad turnaround. I think 24 and 14 would have been a very respectable outcome. And I think that would have been the target for me going into the season. It's not something I really thought about too much Um, last year with the locks. uh, I think I ended up. No, I, I know I ended up going 26 and 12. Well, we've annihilated that this season we are currently at 31 and 8 we're now 39 locks in this is because we've been giving out double locks this is because we were asked to cover international football and this is because we have added the FA Cup something we didn't do last year but we are sitting at 31 and 8 which for those of you that are good at maths will have worked out That is a 23 lock differential from 500. That's what we've done here. And I understand 
occasionally we've gone in and we have gone with the minus 200. And by the way, that was a rule I set myself. I could come on here. It's my show. I've got no guidelines here. I could have picked minus 400, minus 500 dogs. I don't do that. I was the one that self-implemented the minus 200 rule as the minimum odds. Now, I rarely, rarely go to that go to that level. Last week, I gave you guys a double lock on this show. And one, admittedly, was at four to seven, which is close to minus 200. But the other one was an even money play on Brighton. So, it, I mean, it, it went off in the end at minus 110. Um, I understand that. But when I gave it out, it was an even money play on Brighton to beat Huddersfield based on the bad form Brighton had been in. The week before that, I gave you Leicester at plus money at 11 to 10. I gave you Leicester. So you, you can't argue with, you can't turn around and say, well, it's easier, it's easy to do locks uh, in soccer because you've given yourself the, the capabilities to go up to minus 200. Well, yeah, that, that would be fair, I guess you could say that. But we're sitting at 31 and 8. And I do track all of this stuff, and I'm happy to give you the profit that that would in that that would actually result in. But you, everybody that's a member of my website lockbetting.com knows what the profit is of that, and they know what the profit is of the um, the other show that we do, the European show, where the lock record is 21 and five. The only place that we are falling down, I would say, in football this this year would certainly be the Champions League show. And um, I'm not happy at all with that, with the lot record on that show. So we are currently sitting on that show at 13 and 8. Uh, the Europa League show, which is also available on lockbetting.com, that is currently up to 8 and 2. We had a one-on-one -on -one split yesterday. So it's the Champions League one, and it has been a tough season. Look what happened this week. Miracle comebacks by Man United. Miracle comeback by Ajax. Uh, miracle comebacks by Man United and Ajax is what I meant to say. Um, so it's been a tough, tough competition this year. I think everybody can can see that. I think anybody would, would acknowledge that. It's been tough in the Champions League this year. And 13-8, um, and eight, really not happy with that. And the only way to eradicate that would be to almost win out at the end of the season. I do not want to fail on any other locks now on in the Champions League. There will be extensive thinking that goes into what is given out as a lock, even if I have to resort to minus 200 plays the whole way to the end. I have the singular intention of not failing to land another lock on that show because 13 and 8 for me and the expectations that we've set since the World Cup and with the EPL show last season with me and James are very very high and um, I don't accept a 13 and 8 record in the Champions League but as I said it can be forgiven with the um the eight and two that we sit at with the Europa League, the 21 and five with the European show. And of course, right here, 31 and eight. Don't need to be a member of lockbetting.com to know that. It's, this is a free show here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Every lock has been documented. You've heard it all. And you've probably made a shit ton of money off what we've done here. So you're welcome for that. Let's start off with um, the first game of this week, and we are going to look at what we call over here in England the M23 Derby 
between Crystal Palace and Brighton. And why do we call it that? Well, it's because Brighton and Crystal Palace are on the same motorway, uh, or as you guys call it in the States, the same freeway. So they're not even really that close together, but they are on the same motorway. So they have a rivalry based upon that. Now, Brighton isn't even in London. Crystal Palace is a London club. Um, I don't know what would be a more sensible rivalry for Crystal Palace, but as it's turned out, it's ended up being this one. They're the closest rivals are Brighton. Now, as I said last week, Brighton will not go down from the Premier League. I, I tipped them, well, locked them to beat Huddersfield, and they did do exactly that. Um, they're underdogs here away from home against their rivals, Palace, because they're a terrible away team. Uh, Crystal Palace are 10 to 11. It's 12 to 5 to draw, and 18 to 5 on Brighton. Um, you'll notice that Palace are pretty decent favourites here, despite the fact that. Brighton are a terrible away team. The only reason Palace are not four to six or eight to thirteen here is because Crystal Palace are not a very good home team. Um, but with that being said, as we roll into this game, which I'm expecting to be very physical, I'm expecting this game to be very tight. They're not going to want to lose to each other. Um, I do think Crystal Palace had the edge, and I think that their supporters. We'll carry them through here to a win. There's lots of stuff I like off the bat in this game. Um, I like the under two and a half goals, um, which is available at four to six. Uh, the over has cashed in three out of five of Palace's last five and, and three out of five of Brighton's, which means you're getting good odds here on the under, uh, under, under two and a half at, at minus 150. But I think that's the type of game it's going to be. Um, I would also look at things for bookings here because I feel like there there will be there will be bookings in this game. Um, the over under on the bookings is um, forty booking points is available at four to six. Now that means four yellow cards, but it's plus forty. So you're going to need more than that. You're going to need five yellows or you can win this bet with a red card and two yellows because a red card is valued at 25 points in this market. The match markets, as I said, Crystal Palace available at 10 to 11. I like that. And that's how I'm going to bet this game. I do like everything else that I've spoken about, but I just feel the more simplistic bet is to give out Crystal Palace. And I know um, some of my... American customers on lockbetting.com have told me that sometimes they give out bets that they struggle to find um, at their bookies. Now, the answer to that is to, if you're going to bet soccer, go and find a better bookie. Um, MyBookie.ag, sponsor of the Sports Gaming Podcast, I think offer a decent range of, of bets, but it's a very specialist sport. Aunts, obviously, we have the legalization of gambling over there in the US. We're probably going to have more options for you guys and more markets, and this is going to become a lot easier. But at the moment, with soccer betting, um, I don't like receiving questions from my clients that turn around to me and ask, um, what's the alternative to what you've given out? Can I bet it this way? Uh, shall I bet this instead? Uh, no, don't do that. Just bet what I say, and if you can't get it, then go elsewhere because I'm I'm trying to give you very specific things that are based on stats and trends that I've looked up and sometimes even hunches. Um, you know, I'm almost at a point here where I feel obligated to 
give out Crystal Palace the win over under two and a half goals. Um, I mean, I'm on the fence. I like both plays. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not. It's not like I'm being forced um, against my will here to, to to give something that I don't believe in. But it's a real 50-50 and it could have gone either way. And had I leaned towards the under more than Palace winning, I would like to give it out and I would like to know that everybody that can hear this is capable of making that bet at their bookie that they bet with. And if you're not, then you need to make the change um, because it shouldn't be me that makes the change of my opinion. My opinion isn't something that should be debated upon based upon what you're what markets are available to you up next we have Cardiff versus West Ham where Cardiff are 23 to 10 it's 12 to 5 to draw and it's 23 to 20 on West Ham hard to bet West Ham um, away but even harder to bet Cardiff at all how do you bet on Cardiff when they are on an absolutely abysmal run that is basically confirming the fact that they are going to go down. There was a point where earlier on in the season where Palace, or sorry, not even earlier on in the season, about a month ago, where Crystal Palace, uh, sorry, where Cardiff put together back-to-back wins and their price was up to even money. And I and I told my clients on lockbetting.com that we needed to jump on Cardiff for relegation. Now, we've had a dream result with that because even when I said that, I didn't expect then Cardiff to go on and lose four games in a row, which they have done. And it could easily be five. In fact, I'm struggling to find a reason why it won't be five at the weekend. I know West Ham can sometimes take their foot off the gas and be very complacent against poor sides, but this is Cardiff and I can't see anything but West Ham winning this game easily. And I'm almost tempted to take this up to a handicap but because I think this is a place where West Ham can really really go and look good but I'm not going to I'm going to leave at 23 to 20 on West Ham same is applicable for the next game where Huddersfield face Bournemouth Huddersfield are 23 to 10 it's 9 to 4 to draw and it's 5 to 4 on Bournemouth now this is one of the worst. Bournemouth are both one of the best attacking teams and one of the worst defensive teams. And they're going up here against Card- uh, Huddersfield, who are absolutely one of the worst attacking teams. So when the best attacking team plays the worst attacking team, it's really down to how bad is Bournemouth's defence? Because Bournemouth will score. It just depends whether Huddersfield can score against this poor Bournemouth defence. Now, Huddersfield's last two results have seen him win 1-0 against Wolves at home and lose 1-0 at Brighton. I don't think Wolves turned up that day. I think that they felt that they could automatically beat Huddersfield. I felt like Huddersfield gave a very inspired performance and combined with Wolves' complacency. Um, I think Huddersfield came to Brighton looking for a draw, which they almost got. Our lock only cashed in the last 15 minutes. So we were quite lucky with that one. Um, 
I wonder what Huddersfield will turn up here today, whether they can be as defensive as they were at Brighton, whether there'll be an expectation for them to, to go for it and try and win this game. If they do that, that's going to leave more gaps for Bournemouth. If they sit back, then still, I think it's inevitable that Bournemouth will break through. It's just a case of whether this game will be turned on its head if Bournemouth are forced to chase too directly because Huddersfield scored the first goal for set piece. That's why this one isn't coming into the conversation for lock for me, even though the price of five to four is very good. I'll pick it, but it won't be the lock later on. Up next, we're looking at Leicester versus Fulham, where Leicester are four to six minus one fifty, sixteen to five the draw, and nine to two on Fulham. I think we saw the best of Fulham last week. I think they tried everything they 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 could. They were in a very good situation. They're against a West London rival. Uh, it was Scott Parker's first game in charge, and they still lost to Chelsea. Now, obviously, Chelsea are a better team than Leicester. But Leicester now are the team who have the new manager. In fact, both teams have new managers. Both managers here are playing this second game. So they're both in similar situations, except there's one significant difference. Leicester are trying to secure seventh place in the table. Now, there's no trophies for seventh. There's, there's, it's really quite irrelevant. It's, as a joke, referred to over here as the Everton Cup where teams like Leicester, Watford, Wolves and Everton will try and finish in seventh place. But it will mean something to to Brendan Rodgers and the players if they can achieve it, because that is the highest league position that they can occupy since the arrival of Brendan Rodgers. So they will be going for this game. Uh, and Fulham, in contrast to that, are pretty much already relegated. I think you need a miracle here to, to turn this round. The expectation will be that Brendan Rodgers wins his first home game. That is the expectation that I um, am, have as well. And I think that they will win this game. I think Fulham are already down. I think Fulham have shown nothing away from home this season. And I don't see why they suddenly will under a change of manager, a very young and inexperienced manager who's going to get his real chance next season in the championship providing his um, reign until the end of the season isn't a disaster if he loses all of his 11 games and Scotty Parker's not getting the job he's going to have to win three of the last 11 not to keep them up but to have some respectability if he wins five of the last 11 then Fulham are going to stay up that's the that's the crazy thing but I don't think that's going to happen. I think that they'll they, they'll they'll be able to win two or three. I think he's popular with the fans because he's an ex-player. He's going to get a good chance. But I think Brendan Rodgers needs this win here. There's been a lot of controversy about his appointment. Uh, the Celtic fans don't like it. You, obviously, you may have heard about the incident where his, the house that his uh, wife and daughter still living in Scotland was broken into by angry Celtic fans. There's a lot of... Um, pressure and animosity here or animosity towards Rogers and, and pressure for him to deliver uh, because this is an appointment that has to stick Leicester can't just keep changing their managers because they're never going to win the Premier League again that's unrealistic I don't know where Leicester think that they should be I think the problem with Claude Puyall wasn't league position it was the fact that the style of football was just atrocious and Rogers' style isn't going to be like that and I feel like they could turn up here and get a fairly convincing win here over Fulham so my pick here is Leicester up next we got Newcastle versus Everton where Newcastle are the 2-1 to one underdogs to win this game 21-10 to 10 to draw and 17-10 to 10 on Everton why are Everton favourites away to anyone in this league other than Huddersfield 
I don't get that. Marco Silva's been terrible. The players have been terrible. The signings have been terrible. They played their best game of the season last week in a nil-nil against Liverpool where they played their hearts out. And they showed everybody what frauds they've been all season. They've showed everybody how they've been stealing wages from their club with the maximum effort they gave against Liverpool, but the efforts that they don't give against other clubs and the effort they probably won't give against Newcastle because Newcastle are a team who are fighting for their place in the league and are on a decent run. Um, and you have to exclude when Newcastle go to London because they always lose in London. They are terrible in London. But aside from that, they've been on a decent run and Everton haven't been on a run all season. So I'm picking the underdog here and... Um, this is I'm very confident about this underdog. This could be an underdog play that features later. There's another underdog I like that will come later on in the show. But yeah, don't get the odds. Wrong team favourite. Newcastle is my pick. Up next, Southampton versus Tottenham, where Southampton is 16 to 5, 13 to 5 the draw, and 10 to 11 on Tottenham. This is tough because Southampton really pushed hard against the Man United team that are in red-hot form at the moment last week. And uh, that was a really good performance from Southampton. And you would think that they could take that one step forward and avoid the defeat this week against Tottenham and possibly get a point. Uh, Tottenham themselves have got one point out of a possible nine in the Premier League, but they did go and win at Dortmund. And uh, they are getting Deli Ali back, I believe, quite soon, if not this game, the next. If not, he may be on the bench. Um, this is really difficult. Honestly, it's really difficult to pick. I'm going to lean with Tottenham because I feel that the bad run may be over. And if you look ahead, because Tottenham are not in the FA Cup, um, there's going to be a period where Tottenham get quite a few weeks off. Uh, they don't play in the FA Cup. And the team that they would have played next week are still in the FA Cup, so they haven't got a game. Um, they don't have a mid-game, midweek game in hand. Uh, they then have an international break as well. So it's going to be a nice break for Tottenham, and they're going to want to go all out to win this game because it's a long time before they're playing the league or the Champions League and this is the last game that Tottenham have for, for a few weeks now so I think based on that no matter how tired the players are no matter how they've lost some confidence or they're out of form they still went to Dortmund and won so they can carry that into this game and I believe that it'll be enough here for them to beat Southampton in this game so I'm going to pick Tottenham just about certainly won't be a lock or anything else that features later on in the show up next we move on to the last game on Saturday which is Manchester City versus Watford where Man City are the 1-7 to favourites 13-2 to to draw and 16-1 to uh, on Watford surprisingly uh, there was only one goal in the in the Bournemouth Man City game which was a tight game uh, I wasn't expecting that um, but City are showing why they're going to be champions at the end of the season because they are beginning to grind these results out and uh, I think they've done a lot of grinding lately against Schalke and, and, at, and uh, at Bournemouth but they haven't done a lot of looking good and looking like the Man City that we all familiarise with I think Watford could be the team to do that because Watford are going to do what they did against Liverpool. They're going to come out to play. They're going to say, let's play if let's have a football match against each other. And they're going to find out that they are a very, very shitty version 
of Manchester City. The same things that happened to Bournemouth, which is why that Bournemouth 1-0 result against Man City surprised me, because that looks tailor-made to be a 1-3, a 2-4, a something like that. But here... I think we will get uh, the result that we expect. I think we'll get Manchester City covering a minus one handicap here at four to seven against Watford on Saturday night and going four points clear at the Premiership, putting the pressure on the scumbags of Liverpool who play at 12 o'clock on Sunday. Liverpool are the one to five favourites to win this game. Six to one on the draw and 14 to one on Burnley. I would love to pick Burnley here or I'd love to to see Liverpool not win this game but unfortunately we are hitting uh, an easy part of Liverpool's running where they don't really have too many difficult games left um, they do have a home game against Tottenham coming up and I believe they still have to play Chelsea um, but it's going to need to be um, if, if Man City are going to win the league um, they're going to probably need to win every single game because Liverpool's running is relatively easy. Unless Liverpool drop easy points away like they did last week and like they did against West Ham. And obviously that can happen. It shouldn't happen on paper, but it could easily happen because, as we say over here in England, this team are a bottle job. They have already making their excuses. We've already had... Uh, their ex-scumbag players like Steven Gerrard come on the radio and say, oh, it would be a great achievement to, to finish second because last season we finished 19 points behind Man City and this season we're challenging. Sorry, dickhead. Where were you when you were 10 points clear? You weren't saying that then, were you? You were all practically celebrating that it was your year and that you'd won the league and for the first time in 29 years you were going to do it. And what have you done since then? You've lost to Man City. And even after that, they lost to Newcastle and you couldn't capitalise. You couldn't go 10 points clear. You couldn't, you couldn't capitalise and go seven points clear. You've, you've failed to win and failed to win and failed to win. Man United had 10 players against you and they got a draw against you. They, the most, one of the bravest performances of the season. They pulled out a nil-nil draw. Everton, your rivals, gave you chance after chance and Mo Salah to look like he wasn't Mo Salah. I, I can't, I don't know what other way to describe it. He he didn't look like anything like the player that played for Liverpool last season. Why? Because they're challenging for a league. And what happens when Liverpool can potentially win something? They bottle it. This is what Liverpool do. There's a reason why this scumbag team haven't won the Premier League for 29 years. Firstly, the entire country hates them. And second of all, it's the, it's the pressure that's put on by the delusional supporters. It, it puts you under pressure when you celebrate winning the league just because you're top at Christmas. It's 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 the pressure that, that, that hits the players each and every single time. The supporters are partly responsible for it. Other than the fact, and also you couple with the fact you have a manager that's an absolute clown that's making excuses about winds and dry pitches and kickoff times already. Um, this They have all the signs already of a team that know that they're going to blow it. And if you feel like you're going to blow it, you're going to blow it. They're not playing with confidence Although I do think they'll beat Burnley, because if they don't, man, they've got serious problems. They might not even hold on to second. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just all the signs of earth. I've seen them before. I've watched the Premier League 
since since it started and and when it started i was eight years old so as an eight-year-old i've seen teams blow the league over and over and liverpool have had better teams and better players than this current crop of of overrated players that they have mo salah isn't that good He's great Premier League player. He's, he's excellent for Liverpool. He's their best player. Maybe Van Dijk could now be in that conversation because Van Dijk is actually world-class. Mo Salah isn't. Mo Salah isn't in anyone's world eleven. Show me a world eleven that anyone has ever done and put Mo Salah in it. Tell me, make an argument for Mo Salah above Neymar, Mbappe, Messi, Ronaldo, all the people in his category. Tell me how Mo Salah is in that conversation. Bale. Tell me. Tell me, please, how Mo Salah is in that category. He's not. Van Dijk has entered the conversation this season because Van Dijk is not own. I mean, I'm not sitting here with with my one-dimensional vision just watching the Premier League. Van Dijk has turned round his national team. He has given confidence to Holland. There's a reason why Holland are playing in the Nations League semi-final next year. There's a reason for that, or this this year now. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why they tonked um, Germany. There's a reason why they qualified ahead of France. That's because Van Dijk has solidified the, the entire defence of his whole country. Because he's world-class. He's a world-class player. He's sorted out this Liverpool defence. He's the reason why they're not 19 points behind anymore. It's nothing to do with Salah or Mane or Firmino, the most overrated front three I've ever seen in my entire life, to the point where now Firmino's not even starting in that team. They decided to replace him with Origi. How good is Origi? Would Origi be in any other team in the top six not even Arsenal, who have Lacazette and Aubameyang. Not Man United, who have Rashford and uh, and Lukaku. Not Man City, who have Gabriel Jesus sitting on the bench and Aguero starting. Nobody's going to play Origi. He's fucking shit. He's, he should no way near be in a team challenging for the Premier League. And then don't even get me started on sick note, Daniel Sturridge. This team are not going to win the league. The choking started some time ago, as I predicted, and will continue on happening, although they will beat Burnley this weekend and probably won't concede a goal. So my tip for this game is going to be Liverpool to win to nil, which is available at five to six. Um, That one will have lock potential, but probably not because I refuse to lock Liverpool but um, because that means I'll have to support Liverpool with you guys but uh, it may become an official pick over at lockbetting.com so sign up to the website and see if that's something that I want to go with but inevitably the top two win this week I believe and, and everything stays as it is but Liverpool ain't winning the league trust me up next, we have Chelsea versus Wolves, where Wolves are the 19 to four underdogs here, three to one the draw, and Chelsea coming to this at four to six. That is a uh, a very good price on on Chelsea because Wolves aren't playing brilliantly at the moment. They had a decent run of form, which was kind of stopped with the with the Huddersfield result that they had. Um, they come into this with um, off the back of. Um, a win, a loss, a draw, a win, and a draw. That, that's that's the form of Wolves. So it is relatively patchy. Um, their home form is where they are at their best. Their away form is where 
They've struggled throughout most of the season. I think Chelsea have a strong agenda to win this game, which is that they need to continue keeping tabs with the top four. They have an away game against Manchester United on deck, which could decide who gets fourth place because quite frankly, after watching Arsenal yesterday, despite the fact they have won um, some relatively easy home games lately and look good in beating Bournemouth 5-1, um, they're not going to be in the top four. They're going to throw it away at some point. Their away form is terrible. Uh, they could even lose this weekend. So I think it's going to come down to Chelsea and Man United. And I think the expectation is that Chelsea need to win games like this. And uh, at four to six, you get a really good price. And, and I like it. And I like Chelsea to win this game. The final game, and it is the game of the week because it features two teams inside the top six and a very famous rivalry. Two teams that have actually won the Premier League multiple times, unlike Liverpool, who have never, ever won it. But if you listen to the media, they talk about them like they're the greatest team in England, which they really, really are not. It's between Arsenal and Manchester United at the Emirates, and Arsenal are the 13 to 10 favourites to win this game. Five to two to draw, and two to one on Man United, who won here in the FA Cup with Romero in goal and other players rested, and uh, are here as a two to one underdogs. Now, the rested players thing, um, I don't think they're going to overcome that this week and have some kind of significant advantage because they can play the first team because the first team is absolutely depleted. We saw the team against Paris Saint-Germain, but they won 3-1. This guy, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, is pulling out absolute miracles. I fucking love the guy. Like, I don't understand how we haven't given him the job. I've heard that during the international break, that is what we are going to do and we should do that. Um, no matter what happens for the rest of the season. But I, but I don't think that anything bad is going to happen for the rest of the season. I think we're going to the FA Cup final. I think we're going to finish top four in the league, maybe even third. And I think we're going to carry on going in the Champions League. I think we've got another round in us, at least. This guy is absolute magic. And in contrast to that, these morons, Arsenal, lost to Ren, the team, the mid-table French league team, whose best player is Hatim Ben Arthur, who couldn't cut it in the Premier League at Newcastle, is their best player. They've just beaten Arsenal 3-1. I haven't seen Arsenal fan TV, but I imagine it's pretty fucking good. So I recommend you guys go and check it out on YouTube, Arsenal Fan TV. It's a bunch of moron Arsenal fans that go to every game. They probably travelled all the way out to, to France to watch this game. And they're going to be crying and complaining in videos and talking about wanting their manager sacked, even though he only took over in July. Um, funny shit, because they are morons. And that is the epitome of Arsenal fans. And um, they're almost as bad as Liverpool fans, except you can almost sympathise with them because they... they they, they love their club and, and they're behind the team and they, and they go to every game. They're not like these these scumbag Liverpool fans that sit behind a keyboard and, and threaten to, 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 to kill people and complain about every decision. They complain about their team, but they don't complain about being the victims of everything that go against them. That's the difference. Like They're, they're both morons. Liverpool and Arsenal fans are moronic. But the Liverpool fans are scumbags as opposed to being idiots. 
that that's the difference. There is there is there is a moronic element to both, but that you it's easy to hate Liverpool fans, whereas Arsenal fans you kind of laugh at them, but Liverpool fans you hate, and I hate Liverpool Football Club, and I hate Liverpool fans, and I hate Liverpool players. And I don't feel that way about Arsenal, but I do feel we're going to go to their ground this week and beat them uh, again because I just can't see how Man United are a two-to-one underdog in this game when we've already won there this season. We're in better form than them. We're riding the Solskjaer effect. And uh, it's just been announced. The reason I waited to do this show this week is I was waiting to see what, um, the press conference uh, I was waiting to watch the press conferences because there was a lot of injury news that was up in the air especially for Man United and uh, we have uh, Bailly fit Matic is back and Anthony Martial has been past fit for this game as well so it's going to be a better team than the one that won at Paris and Paris are a better side than Arsenal when you look at the maps of that then you got to go with Man United although the difference is that Man United was 6-1 to one underdogs to win at Paris Saint-Germain and are only 2-1 to one underdogs here Man United were 12-1 to one to qualify against Paris and um, obviously there's no qualification price here but you get my point um, Paris were a lot better team than Arsenal so but, you, but still underdogs for Man United I'll, I'll take that let's close out with the lock dog parlay portion of the show the lock this week's tough didn't know whether I want to go Leicester or Chelsea um, could have been a week where I do a double lock but I've been very generous with those just been giving them out to you guys left and right um, I'm going to lean towards Leicester not because they're better than Chelsea but I've put it down to the quality of opponent Wolves have obviously shown a lot more this season than Fulham uh, I also like Brendan Rodgers playing his first home games a very nice one to get well, if you're getting your first home game you want to be up against the Huddersfield Cardiff Fulham or Brighton and uh, he's got himself Fulham which is pretty good and they should be able to look good here he's got some decent players I mean the likes of Madison Vardy should be able to all look good uh, the defence should be able to keep out Fulham who haven't looked that great in attack despite the fact they are primarily an attacking team but a very good defence here Chilwell Pereira Evans Maguire Kasper Schmeichel at the back I think this will be a good win for Leicester and I'm narrowly picking that above Chelsea who uh, I also liked as well so that may feature as an official pick on my website um, one place it will feature is right here on the parlay because I've very simply gone for a three-team parlay all to win um, it's going to be Manchester City it's going to be Liverpool and it's going to be Chelsea if you put £100 on that one you will get £213 very simple play there for my underdog now this is tough it's between Newcastle at home to Everton and Man United at Arsenal. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do, because I don't want to be accused of looking at this with supporters biased. I'm going to waver off Man U, and I'm going to take Newcastle to beat Everton. Um, by the way, uh, the strongest pick in the Man United game is Man United on the double chance of four to six. So that may feature also on my website. Just wanted to put that out there. I love Man United as an underdog, but if you're looking for a pick that doesn't come from someone who supports Man United and, and you may think oh he's saying that because he supports Man United how can you say Man United to avoid a defeat at minus 150 isn't a good price it's, it's a really good price so the underdog play anyway official underdog play is Newcastle at home to Everton I think that the wrong team is the favourite there so to recap Leicester are the lock the parlay is 
Man City, Liverpool and Chelsea and the underdog play for this week is Newcastle. That concludes this edition of the EPL show where we're looking to hit go up to 32 and 8 on our locks for the season. You can find me at lockbetting.com where I'll be doing the 21 and 5 European show. This is an unbelievable show. Not only do the locks land, but the parlays land, the dogs can land. The dogs landed on on this show last week by the way because I had Everton to avoid a defeat, but it's neither here nor there. Um that European show, we give out a few picks, we scour all of the games from Europe, and we narrow it down to seven or eight games that we like. So every pick on there is viable because it is hand-picked. It's not like here on the EPL show where I have to run through every single game and give a selection on everything uh, as to where I lean on each and every game. I don't have to do that. The European show is my baby. Uh, I can go through... 60, 70 games and just pick out seven or eight selections. So everything on that show is strong. And um, and that's why the locks are really strong because I get to pick one bet out of 70 games and, and I love it. And, and 21 and five speaks for itself over there. So I highly recommend checking out that European show. Um, there's also a Europa league show that goes out on lockbetting.com this week. That's going to come out on Wednesday because the second legs of Europa league are going to be played instantly. And of course, a champions league show available in the week here on the sports gambling podcast. Let's hope we do a lot better than we did last time out. Those two upsets really did hurt us. Let's be honest. That's it from me. Good luck with all, all of your bets as always and thanks for listening.